Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Next Man Up, the pessimistic one, um, which you'll find out about shortly. Um, yet again, we have a special guest. And actually, before I, before I go into the introductions, we had a review the other day on Reddit from someone who was listening to our podcast who said, uh, these guys are new and they don't know what they're talking about, but they bring other people on who do. So let's continue with that trend and welcome on Alan Samson, who, um, Alan, it's fair to say um, we have differing opinions on the optimism of the Eagles sometimes on Twitter. Would that be fair to say? That would, that would probably be a fair assessment, I am, yeah. <laughs> Listen, it's great, it's great to have you on the show. Thanks for coming on. I'm really looking forward to getting your take. I know the lads are on, on the Eagles free agency so far and, and obviously some updates that came in the last few days. So just by way of an agenda, folks, what you can be uh, prepared to listen for on this podcast uh, we'll do we'll do some some welcome intros in a second to the gang as we always do, and um, then we have um, a couple of updates for you some some interesting updates about the next man of podcast and where we're going, and then we're going to do a reaction to uh, the trade and um, because as is always the case we recorded our last pod about twelve hours before the Eagles decided to make a move so we'll do an update on that and our reaction on that and also a couple of signings that the Eagles have made in the last few days. Rounding it all off with Alan's mock draft. So he said he's got thousands to choose from. So I'm interested to see which one he picks. So, uh, guys, let's just crack straight into it. Um, Mick, how are you doing? Uh, I've seen on WhatsApp the last few days that your daughter's been trying to break everything that you own. Yep, Mick, she is <laughs> unreal. <laughs> she, she just attacks you all the time. She's just at that sort of age, but. You know, it's just what I deserve. But apart from that, I'm doing well, actually. I've got a, a nice bottle of whiskey with me tonight, so I'm fairly happy. Well, go on then. Tell us, which one is it? It's a tomatin. Say that again? Tomatin. Latin. 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 It sounds like Latin, yeah. But... <laughs> oh, very nice. Very nice. I'm on the Hague Club, David Beckham whiskey tonight, so it's not as... I've never tried that. It's actually quite nice. I do like it. I do like it. Um, so like what kind of casing you... What was that, Phil? <laughs> it seems like a very Liam whiskey. Yeah, because I've, <laughs> I've got this massive Tesco's near me now. I've just been trying all the different whiskeys out, and that was on offer for like 16 quid. I thought that'll do. Um, so what kind of casing have you got for your phone then with your daughter, Mick? Is it like graphite, steel, aluminium? Titanium. Titanium. Yeah, <laughs> good stuff. Hey, Phil, how you doing, buddy? Uh, you've been you've been very busy, I know, with some some charity uh, work, which we're going to get onto later on in the pod. But how you holding up? Yeah, 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 not bad. Um, just been trying to do a bit more digging into the the charity side of stuff, getting some getting some memorabilia, some bits and pieces, trying to set up a just giving page. So, just trying to set up the the foundations for when we get actually get around to drafting and get into the the meat of things. Absolutely, yeah. I'm 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 interested to see how that draft's going to go with three of us deciding on who to pick. It's going to be carnage. <laughs> Alan, uh, welcome again. How are you doing? I understand you're just back from taking your kid to footy practice. I bet he's delighted to be out there again now. He is, yeah, yeah. And uh, thanks for having me. Man. Um, yeah, it's, it's good. It's good. It's one of those things that I didn't really realise just how much you miss it within your sort of social life of, of taking kids to play football. But it, it makes a hell of a difference being back. Um, and, and getting to see them do it again, it's uh, quite a small thing, but actually in the, in the current world, quite a big thing, as, as it turns out. So it was a, 
Well, we're not quite as cold as Monday when we watched them play, which was pretty was pretty grim in the snow and the start, what temperature, start of April. What temperature are we talking on Monday? I don't think the temperature. I think it was it was probably the wind chill and the and the snow that was driving the the, the temperature part of it. But it was pretty. And you cold. live in Barbados, don't you? That's right, Barbados. No. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Something like that. So so sorry, the Manchester. I think is uh, is uh, as close to Barbados as I get. <laughs> not raising a Manchester fan, though, are you? I'm an Airdrie fan, yeah, for, uh, which, which doesn't doesn't come from Manchester or from Barbados, unfortunately. Yeah, um, that's the, the the other the other joy of uh, of my sporting life is, is supporting uh, Airdrie and, and Leeds. For the, the two oh, teams don't, don't you worry, Alan. I've got a question about that coming up later on when we're no. we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna uh, get, get a bit more of an intro into you. Actually, to be fair, let's let's go straight into it, um, as we do with all of our guests on the podcast. Uh, we, we, we want to get to know a bit more about you and your Eagles history and where, where it all started. So I, I suppose the first question is, you know, when did you start supporting the Birds? How long have you been supporting them and, and why? You know, how did that come about? <laughs> well, why is a question I ask all the time? <laughs> um, I, I, when did I start supporting the Eagles? So I, I sort of uh, became an Eagles fan in about 1989. Um, probably much like a, a lot of uh, a lot of NFL fans of, of a certain vintage through the Channel Four uh, highlight show on a, on a Sunday night uh, and Saturday lunchtime. I think it eventually came on. So I think it moved around a number of times, but it's the Sunday night one, I guess. I remember. Um, I won't reveal what age I was at the time. Well, I wasn't going to say that. Um, it was two years until I was born in 1989. Yeah, that's uh, that, that says everything I am wrong. Um. So yeah, I mean, a few a few years of um of just watching the highlight shows, and I mean, it's a very different world to what you can what you can follow in the NFL now. You probably get uh one one game of highlights on a Sunday, uh, which was always really frustrating because um you always kind of knew whether the team was going to score or not based on the fact that they only ever showed scoring drives. So it was just <laughs> the old school of, red zone, basically. Yeah. But, you didn't. You didn't even really get any any sort of three and outs at all. So you, you kind of knew, and it was kind of Joe Montana days. You, you pretty much knew when the when the Forty Nineers got the ball over the halfway line, they were going to score. And it was kind of a kind of a slow death that then sort of proceeded after that, as uh, as Montana sort of uh, chipped his way down the field and inevitably inevitably scored. Um, the, the Eagles part of it, pretty much, and this is this is a story. Pretty much get from pretty much every Eagles UK fan, I think, of, of the same age. It was largely Randall Cunningham. He, he stood up so much compared to most of the other players at the time, um, right. and just kind of created a bit of a bit of a fa- as much as as much as the sport was a fascination anyway. Um, he was a fascinating player and someone who really sort of hooked me in uh, quite early on. Um, that gave me a bit of a passing interest in Eagles for a couple of years. Uh, and we went we went on holiday to to Florida and uh, I think ninety two it's Christmas ninety two. Nice, um, I was one by that point. Just keep good, it good. We'll, yeah. we'll, we'll just we'll keep up with exactly what age you were at each of these <laughs> stages. Um, and the the Eagles, I always remember it was it was the it was the preseason where the where Frank Wright brought the the Bills back against the Oilers. So it was the nice. first film game other than a Super Bowl I actually ever watched was was Wright and that comeback. Uh, and then the Eagles played the Saints. Uh, and beat them that night in the playoffs, uh, and that was kind of the bit that, that sort of hooked me on it. That was it was it was uh, seeing the film game, seeing them win at that point, 
sort of right sort of to sort of nice yeah that so I was sort of 92 93 prior really became a fan um, but again very different experience from what it is today I mean you, you probably maybe seen three four games a season if if you're lucky um, mm-hmm. and a lot of the rest of it was for say, the first couple of years you were just following it on highlights you'd probably find out the score the following Saturday if or if you were really lucky the, the daily record maybe had the score in a tiny uh, listing in the bottom right hand corner somewhere. Could, was there wasn't um, a teletext page, was there for NFL? I think there probably was. Um I can't I can't remember it specifically, but I'd imagine there probably was a teletext page. It doesn't I, I remember when I was growing up in Dublin, like my Saturday evenings or Sunday evenings would be sat in the front room with my granddad watching the, the football scores obviously come through. But then when the golf was on in the evening, the golf was less exciting to watch because you'd see like seven under, five under, four under, three under. And then all of a sudden it would be like, the guy at seven under is not on the page anymore. And you're like, what's, go- what's going on? What's that, sounds, that, sounds, that sounds more exciting to watch than golf actually is. <laughs> well, Masters is on at the moment. If, you, if you're ever going to watch it now, now's, now's I, the I think I'm one of, the, one of the few Scottish people in the world who can't stand golf. Well, well, there you go. Well, there's a guy called McIntyre who's got a bit of a chance this week and he's Scottish. So maybe that's enough to perk your interest. I'm not fine either, Alan. So you're not alone. Ah, good. I'm glad I'm not the only one, Mike. Um, so uh, during the nineties, um, it was it sort of you, you caught it where you could. Um, Sky started to pick it up in the mid nineties, so you started to see more live games, um, and it just sort of went from there. So at the internet, obviously hooked in, and you were able to get a lot more information on the team, and it just sort of gradually sort of um, became much more accessible. Uh, and the more accessible it's become, mm. the sort of more you're able to follow. So. Um, that's probably the that's probably the, the the crux of the story up until the point where I mean they, they, they were okay. I mean some years they were good, some years they were bad. Decent in the nineties, so, right? They made the playoffs. Early nineties were good. Early nineties they, they were pretty good. Mid nineties they were pretty awful with with Ray Rhodes and um, until Lurie took over effectively appointed Rhodes. They were rubbish for a couple of years, um, and Andy arrived in, in ninety nine, um, and kind of that was probably the point where you're starting to be able to see more games as well. Mm. Um, you weren't sort of limited to the the early nineties days of trying to find um, a radio commentary on forces, um, <laughs> forces and- radio, which um, was was always fun. Is that the the signal at forces radio in the nineteen nineties was not brilliant, so you ten- <laughs> tended to hear half the first quarter and then nothing again until the third. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it was it was obviously tricky to, to get access to it but where, where you could it was always the Eagles that I sort of followed all the way through that and then obviously in recent years you, you can pretty much watch well you can watch every game I was going to say like for, for, for we, we, we believe it or not you have some US listeners who regularly listen to our show and um, millions millions of them that they are obviously um, and um, just in case you're wondering what it's like in the UK to watch NFL at the moment the last few years has been a huge uptick in the amount of games available in Sky, which is like our Fox that you have over there, um, and on a on you get a th- we get the Thursday night game, although you have to stay up bloody late to watch it, um, and and you know, either either try and kid your right. boss to your work in the next day or, um, or 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 take it off. And on a Sunday we get um, three live games, but also Red Zone where we can see all the action, and we get the Monday night as well. So you really can't. And then for for those of us who want to watch every game no matter what, you got Game Pass, right? So. Yeah, I mean, Game Pass was obviously a bit of a revelation when it came along, and you could you could switch from 
<laughs> the, the the challenges of uh, of watching I don't know the Titans and the Saints or something and just uh, getting more and more frustrated is used to be able to follow on, but I don't know if anybody remember it used to be able to follow on NFL.com at the same time where it would basically tell you where the ball was at right. any given time. Okay. Um, so you're sort of watching a live game and it's the this sort of uh, ball moving back and forth on a computer graphic telling you where the ball was, uh, <laughs> which was. If you think watching Eagles is frustrating now, and the, the idea of trying watching to follow it go all the way up the field and then just go all the way. Well, there was an awful lot of the ball would get to the twenty yard line, then it would stop, and then suddenly the, the other team would score, which never <laughs> never really made a lot of sense. But, and, um, and now, of course, if we, if you're watching an Eagles game on Game Pass, the only challenge you have is pausing red zone on your TV for about a minute and a half, and then playing that and playing on your tablet, and then you kind of get all of it all in one. Good stuff. That's 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 interesting. Yeah, I mean, um, collectively, we probably spent well, Phil and me, we've only really spent the last five, six, seven years being really into the Eagles. Phil, I know you're even sooner than that, so um, your knowledge of the Eagles will far far surpass ours, Alan. I think that's why you're not pessimistic. That that may be the case. <laughs> that that may be. But, but also for me personally, and, and this actually leads me into the question I, I want to ask you. Um, I, you know, I'm from Ireland. Ireland don't really do well in anything apart from rugby. Um, and that's only every now and again. I'm a Newcastle fan, and I don't really need to say any more than that. Um, and the Eagles are the only team who have ever really had a chance of winning anything for me. So I, I think that's probably why I'm positive, because I can't be positive about the other two. Saying that, you support two teams who aren't going through the best patch at the moment either, football-wise. Well, I can say a lot. Leeds are doing well. Tell us about tell us about your, your other two teams. And my question for you is, which of those teams do you support, including the Eagles, causes you the most grief? <laughs> oh God, it depends which day of the week it is. I think they, they, they all cause their own share of grief at different times. I think, I mean, I've, I've supported Airdrie the longest. I went to watch Airdrie for the first time when I was seven or eight, and it's been pretty horrific ever since. <laughs> um, <laughs> It was, which also where my first job was. Which is, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I remember, I remember that stadium. My, my aunt just did one street up from where the stadium was, and um, what was it called Multon Street? Yeah, it was. Uh, in Gatley, and yeah. and yeah, my cousin was a crazy Airdrie fan, and used to go to the game sometimes uh, with him. But obviously, uh, I fell to to the way of uh, family Celtic and Albion Rovers. I would take in the odd game. Yeah, I'll be in Rovers probably far, far, far better for you than Celtic, but that's another. That's another <laughs> um, there's there's always too many hours to my hatred of Celtic. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, who, who causes me the most grief? I mean, to be honest, probably I, mean, I, I gave up on Airdrie a long time ago, so they don't they don't cause me a huge amount of grief anymore. To be honest, I, I have very few expectations of them, <laughs> um, so I, I don't I don't always sleep when when Airdrie goes anymore, which is just as well because I wouldn't have slept for thirty years. <laughs> Leeds, uh, you know, Leeds, Leeds were trying for a, for a long time um, to, to cause as much stress as they possibly could. At the moment, they're quite the opposite. I mean, I think since Bielsa came in, they're, they're, probably, the, they're probably the best team in the country to watch. They're one of the funnest teams to support. And, uh, yeah, considering how, how dark times were for Leeds for a while, they're, they're, uh, they don't really bring any sort of... Uh, even... even the, Lose 6-2 to Man United. I think See, I prefer uh, that. I'm speaking yeah. as a Newcastle fan now where there's just no hope attacking flair whatsoever. I'd rather lose 4-2 than lose 1-0 or draw 0-0. For those, again, listening in who don't watch football or soccer leads, 
were a, a huge European and English football club um, not that long ago, but for the last 10, 15 years, have, have failed to reach the top echelons of the football tier and they're back playing outside football, um, which is good to see for any, any football fan. I say that, most people don't like Leeds, but I've always had a soft spot. That, that, is, that is the other thing that most of my teams seem to have in common, which I'm not quite sure why. They're all, they're all teams who are not particularly loved by anyone who doesn't support them. Maybe that says more about you as a person, Alan, than it yeah. does about teams. Uh, I have wondered that a few times as well, uh, and up up until Super Bowl Fifty Two, I, I did kind of think I was uh, I was probably jinxed to never never see anyone win anything. Which uh... I know the feeling, buddy. Phil does, and he's a Man United fan and mixed Celtic fan, so you know they've been blessed. <laughs> doesn't mean as doesn't mean as much. Oh, good stuff, good stuff. <laughs> um, cool. All right, I reckon we'll 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 thanks for that. Um, very much, Alan. Um, got a good idea of. Uh, your history as an Eagles fan. And I would say the answer was probably Eagles then, right? They give you the most grief. That's yeah, the they, they probably do now, to be honest. I, mean, I guess football's kind of... Um, over over the years, I guess, the way Leeds and Airdrie have played, I'll probably end up being more passionate now about the Eagles than I am about either of, either of them. Yeah. Um, I mean, Leeds, Leeds, Leeds sort of have, in the last couple of years, they have, have, have played gathered more interest again as, as things haven't been quite so dark but um it's okay it's okay alan it, it, it plays to the strength of the pessimistic podcast the eagles give you the most grief i like it let's, let's go with it um <laughs> all right cool guys um conscious myself and alan have been talking for a while um we just want to give you some updates and then we'll we'll bring mick and, and phil into the fold um again um so few updates for us exciting updates for the for, for the podcast obviously we've been doing this since november so What's that? Looking at my calendar now, it's about six months now. So there you go, six-month anniversary. Let's do it. Let's call it that. Um, we have a new Instagram page, um, which is at NMU Eagles Pod, all one word. That's at NMU Eagles Pod. Please give us a follow. Um, and so you can see similar content to what we put out on Twitter. The difference being we'll probably have some video snippets on there, some GIFs, some graphics, more stats. Um, nice, nice and easy way to engage uh, with us on there. So please do give us a follow if and when you can and if you want. And then I'll pass over to Phil in a second, but just some, some updates on our um, work for the charity, the Ectopic Pregnancy Trust. Um, we've set up a Just Giving page, uh, a raffle and a charity, and we're getting some shirts. So Phil, do you want to just give us a bit of a, just an overview of, what the, of, of those updates? Yeah, so we've, um, we're involved, we're, well, I've, created and now we're involved in a charity pod fantasy football league as i've mentioned i think in last in the last pod that we released so um 12 pods or pod um, productions that are getting involved in a fantasy league hopefully yeah some of the teams have got more than one one uh, participant in it so it's sort of so us three as a as an entity are going to be co co-managing a team trying to draft a team trying to select a team and win hopefully some money for our charity um but uh, each each pod's going to be representing a charity of their own so we're all going to be sort of fighting competing um trying to um trying to sort of win win the money like i said uh, first second and third prizes total prize funds hopefully gonna, is, is about 600 pounds as, as as it stands on top of that some pods i know are creating little uh, in in 
genius ways of raising a little extra cash, partly because they don't rate their chances of winning the big prize very much, but also partly just because um, they've come up with some little dig. ideas. Like <laughs> yeah, but I don't think we're in a particularly um, confident <laughs> position either, but you never know. Um, but aside from that, so uh, the Russian Fumble Pod, uh, to give them a little bit of a plug, just because I think it's a brilliant idea, is uh, rash, uh, raffling off their actual draft picks. So to people outside of the competition, for obvious reasons, um, people will be able to purchase picks and be able to select whoever they want. So they have no idea what team they're going to turn up with. Which I think is a little bit more adds a bit more novelty to the to the I've matter. Just an idea. I've just come up with an idea on that, Phil. Alan, Alan, if we pay you money to buy to buy those raffles, and then we tell you what to pick, do you reckon? Do you reckon that'd work? Probably better <laughs> than my, my normal drafting. So. <laughs> Probably good only not not to put it on our pod because we've now just incriminated joking, ourselves. of course, joking. <laughs> <laughs> but. Yeah, on, on top of that, so that that's the current state of play. It's kind of gone into a little bit of dormancy at the moment because obviously we're waiting for the real draft to happen before we can do the proper draft. But once once the proper draft has happened in three weeks' time today, uh, it's exciting times coming up. Once that's done, we'll have the we'll have the draft, and hopefully there'll be some more um, posts coming out advertising what we're picking, what we're thinking of doing, and all sorts of chaos. Um, the Ectopic Pregnancy Trust have also sent us a t-shirt or well, sent me a t-shirt and they're going to send a couple more out for the the other gentleman on this pod to uh so we can all be adorned on draft night when we do our zoom live first round picks we'll all be adorned in team colors love it should i be, love that <laughs> which should be an added little uh what little colors thing. can we expect phil i'm hoping pink it's a pinky purple so you're not you're not far off um it's the Beautiful. colors of the, of the nice mold. they're quite nice um t-shirts actually they're like proper dry fit running t-shirts so good good to actually be used now for double up for work impulse i'm just going to get covered in curry stains and things like that you won't catch me running in a t-shirt <laughs> you can swim in it as well. <laughs> but um yeah i think that's that's pretty much it for updates i don't know if i'm missing anything Leave yeah well there's also the uh we've also got the uh zach Hertz, um science yeah. shirt which is which is on for raffle, I'll just I'll, I'll just continue on that with that Phil. So it's fifty p a ticket for this raffle. Fifty p, you probably can't even buy a chump bar for that these days. Um, fifty fifty p for a ticket. We've sold about a hundred tickets so far, um, and thirty of them are what I've bought. So don't make it awkward and let me win. Jump in, buy some tickets. Only fifty p, and it's not like we're getting the money for this. We're going to use the money from this uh, raffle that we get from it to buy. An even better signed jersey, um, authentic signed jersey. It comes with all the right signatures and accreditations, etc. And then when we do the second raffle, we're going to use all that money um, to, to add it to the Ectopic Pregnancy Trust, just giving pages we set up. So it's all for a all for a good fund. Make sure to get on there and um, and buy your tickets and, and don't let me win. My mum is calling me. That's nice, isn't it? I'll have to reject that call. Um, cool. All right. Good stuff. I think that's all the updates we have um, for now. Um, so, Mick, I'd like to pass the mic over to you for a second. Just want to um, get your reaction on um, the trade, which we haven't had a chance to talk about yet. Oh, yeah. This feels like it was that long ago that it's like old news. Um, but obviously it wasn't. It was only, what was it, two weeks ago now? Two weeks yeah. ago, yeah. But yeah, because yeah, obviously we had to record just before it happened, just in typical fashion for this podcast. And I think it happened before with some, something else. And 
the breaking news either came out just before we recorded or just after, and it just fucking chaos as, as, as usual. But um, <laughs> you know, when the trade happened, it was it was initially the the 49ers Miami trade, and we hadn't entered it yet. And I looked at it and I thought, well, that's interesting because now 49ers have traded up to. To take their quarterback, who I believe will be Justin Fields, I'm totally ignoring all that Mike Jones pish that's coming out. Um, and the Dolphins have went back to twelve, so that means another weapon is on the table for us at six, and that, that just makes it better for us. Um, so I was like, well, this is great. We've got a really good chance of possibly drafting someone like Jamar Chase or uh, Kyle Pitts, or you know, take your pick. Really, at, at, mm-hmm. at, at number six when you've got three quarterbacks coming off the. The first three picks, um, and then it came out. Eagles had traded back, and I'm not going to lie, I was devastated <laughs> just at the beginning because it was just it was a, a bit to absorb as well. So I was like, just for for a split second, I was given like the best weaponry of of the draft class, and I was like, you know, really really happy, and then like by couple of minutes later it was just stripped away from me again and it just I was like oh why what why have we done this sort of thing but then you know you, you take some time to reflect on it knee-jerk reactions are never really good it's never really how you feel you've got to kind of just good take, life advice there Mick as well like yeah, that. you've got to take all factors and things and you, you kind of come to accept decisions that are made by your favourite football team because you try and justify it as a fan because maybe other fans are giving you shit so you're, you're, you're like no this is a good idea because this this and this so you can't you kind of make yourself believe that it's a that it was a good deal um so I sort of did that um and at the end of all I'm fairly fairly content with it so uh I think getting the the 2022 draft pick is from the Dolphins is a big deal. Hopefully they tank next next year. They're, they're a fairly good team to be honest. I don't think they will, but well, I'm not I'm not on the tour bandwagon. I could very easily see my tank <laughs> next year. But, but we've got we've, we've got a lot of picks in our arsenal now. We've got possibly three first round picks next year. That's that's a big deal. We could we can use that. Um, not, not to say we'll, we'll actually use them in the draft, but we can use them for uh, you know, to, to, to make a big trade, possibly. So, uh, drafting back to 12 is it's not, it's not the worst thing in the world. I, I wouldn't, I will say that I wouldn't really like to go back any further. Um, Eagles trade pick number 12 and fifth round pick for pick 22 and pick 32. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, just, uh, so, over, overall, it's, it's fine. I've, I've come to terms with it. And... Annoyed at the start, come to terms with it, can see the positives, want to see how it plays out. That a fair? fair? Yeah, absolutely. So so it's now all about just like who we're looking at at six and now we've, cha- we've totally changed our position now. We're, we're looking at totally different draft prospects that we can take now at 12. I won't go through those because, you know, we've got another three people that have their opinions and what to talk. So. Yeah, well, we'll come back to you for those, Mick, definitely. Um, Phil, um, do you want to do you want to jump in and then we'll get we'll get um, Alan's view on it as, as well. Mick said um, he used the word Arsenal and 
you know, that's a fairly good uh, good word to use. They do have a, a, a lot of weapons, a lot of draft weapons to, to throw over the next two drafts. Were you happy, disappointed, ambi- ambivalent? How do you feel about it? I don't think you can be anything but disappointed initially because we'd all, we'd all convinced ourselves that we were going for hits or or Chase if they were there at six or a quarterback as, as Alan was championing for quite a bit. Um, but aside aside from that, I think in typical me fashion, I sort of, I, when something's that shocking, you think there's got to be a reason behind it. So I was just trying to, I was trying to work out, okay, so what, what does this mean? What, what What is this, what hand is this showing? Because it's the first sort of like reveal of what the Eagles plans were. And I'm like, okay, so they are trying to amass picks. So, I kind of got over it reasonably quick. I'm probably mostly over it now because I think the more people are, you know, we, we, we've left the talk about pits now. It's like we're, we're like on the outside of the group of everyone going, oh, it's going to be great. It's going to be doing this. He's going to be doing that. It's, we're, we're now outside of that. It's not, we're sort of like, we're, we're banned from the group. So, um, but the more we've sort of started talking about who we could take at 12 or even, you know, if we do trade back further, I'm, I'd rather they didn't, but obviously, again, the, you know, you trade back, you get more more picks, and at the end of the day, after the free agent signing we've made, the, everything's changing all the time. So I think now I'm I'm okay, but I'd still like them to take, excuse me, a, a waddle or a or an offensive weapon, just because I think that I think maybe that's coming from the the fact that we're missing out on picks. We, we're kind of clinging to the next most exciting mm-hmm. thing, but if they were to take sort of Farley or anyone anyone like that at 12 I'd, I'd be happy with that I'm almost just I think I've made peace with all the possible scenarios that I can so I'm I'm okay but I'm just more intrigued the, as to what they're going to do now oh sorry no in the unlikely scenario that Waddle and and um, Smith are also off the board at 12 probably makes sense to draft back even to 15 16 17 because there's probably not a lot of difference then right in the quality of player you're going to get at 12 versus 16 would you say well, what this what what's happened so far says to me is that there there is a there's a well you know in typical how we fashion there's a long well thought out plan that's in place and this was the first domino and the other dominoes are already set. It, it's, there's no there's not a, we can debate until the cows come home, but there is one right answer. And well, we won't find that out until the night. I mean, who knows? We might be thinking, oh yeah, it's going to be twelve, and then next Friday he's traded back again. And two weeks before the draft, we're now sat at 15 with all this and we're trying to make sense of it all over again. All but... of a sudden we have the number one draft pick. <laughs> yeah, I think generally, like, that, that's, the, that's, the old, that's the other extreme from amassing all these picks. Is now we have all these picks to be able to go back in if we mm. want to do that. But I just think I've, I've settled on the idea that we're, we're, we're trying to rebuild, we're trying to reset. So if we were to try to trade up and or trade the picks for Wilson or well, probably not Watson now, but anything like that, I think it... it it'd be a waste of the position we're in right now. It's like, we're not in a position to really, to win now. So let's not get a quarterback who wants to win right now. Let's, let's continue to build and use the picks to get good talent. So yeah, that's where I am right now. That makes sense and perfect segue um, and not to get a quarterback who wants to win right now because we're not set for it to bring in Alan. Just before I bring you in, Alan, um, one thing that the um, trade has shown is uh, commitment to Jalen Hurts, um, at least for the next year, by by not choosing to pick up one of the top elite quarterbacks in, the, in at pick six. How do you feel about that, Alan? Um, and how do you feel about the trade in general? How do you feel about passing on a quarterback in the best quarterback class we've seen in 10 years? 
I think it's monumentally stupid, but there you go. Uh, I think once they decided they didn't want to take a quarterback, which well, time will tell how that pans out. I mean, my, my guess is how the trade played out, and this is this is pure guesswork, but I, I think they wanted to get to three. I think they were outbidded by the 49ers, and as soon as they were outbidded by the 49ers, they moved down. So it, it's the only thing logically that makes sense. To, to move down when they did the, the offer probably would have got worse as you got closer to the draft the timing of it suggests that they wanted to go up, couldn't go up and then went down I think once they either couldn't get a quarterback or decided they didn't want a quarterback it was the right thing to do because this probably won't be the most popular view I think a lot of Eagles fans is I think drafting Kyle Pitts at the 6 would have been ludicrous considering where the roster is at the moment I think drafting a wide receiver in the top 10 would be ludicrous as well. I think it's a team that needs core players. Wide receivers have a huge bust rate in the top 10. Yeah. T- tight ends are near impossible to project. You look at, you look at the guys who are the, the best tight ends in the league. Travis Kelsey was a third-round pick. Darren Waller was a sixth-round pick wide receiver. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, the, the ability to project tight ends in the league is horrendous. And whilst you can watch Cal Pitt's tape and he is clearly a phenomenal athlete and a phenomenal player in college, there is absolutely no guarantee you're going to get that player in the NFL. And people get they get so carried away at this time. You know, it happens every single year. People love prospects. They love uh, tape. And I, th- I think the, the bit I've always tried to do and whenever I watch any prospect is try and work out the most likely outcome um, and, and get a get a sense of whether you'd be happy with that most likely outcome. The most likely outcome you get with Kyle Pitts is you get 60 catches a year and 700 yards. Yeah, you're going to be happy that you spent the sixth round pick on 60 catches and 700 yards. No, but that's a good tight end. Yeah, that is, that is the truth of it. I, I, never thought, I never thought you coming onto this podcast, I was going to agree with something you said, but it's already happened and we're, we're, we're uh, what, 30, 25, 30 minutes in. I've said a few times on this podcast, um, that um, securing an offensive weapon, an offensive catching weapon in the first round alone, let alone the top 10 in the first round, um, you, you, you don't hit very often. And I think on one of our earlier podcasts in the season, um, in the playoffs or, or um, the championship games, um, there was zero wide receivers left in any of the four teams um, going, going, in, going there when there was something like 10 or 11 or 12 um, secondary players who were drafted in the first round. So you're, you're, you're much, much more likely to hit on those. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I agree with you. I'll continue. Uh, and I mean, the, the trade down at that point, you're moving into a range. That you won't find many people who have got too many good things to say about Harry Roseman. But the, his fundamental theory of building a team is right. You build a team through building your defensive line and building your offensive line. All, all the best teams in the last well, forever have done it the same way. Now, you, you don't build great teams by drafting wide receivers. You, you can see, go back and look at every team that's drafted wide receivers in the top 10, 15 picks in the last 20 years. It really leads to building the core of a team. And this is a team that needs players absolutely everywhere. You know, the, the core of this team are all over 30 and all declining. There, there are no young core players on the roster at all. 
Oh, come on. Miles Sanders, Dallas Goddard. They're not well, but, but, but they might not pay Miles Sanders next year. Miles Sanders might not be on the Eagles two years from today because they'll have to pay him and they ain't going to pay him. Don't be shocked if they draft a running back in the first three rounds of this draft because they don't want to pay Miles Sanders. First three rounds. That seems a lot considering they brought Scott back and we're going to talk about oh, it. Yeah, they're not going to keep Boston Scott as a, as a long-term brought, running back. He's, he's a third-down running back. Howard right? back as well recently. Howard's, Howard's 26. Yeah, exactly. He's young. He's not young for a running back. <laughs> I know. May as well be 50. <laughs> hey, some running backs, some running backs do it. Adrian Peterson. Uh, maybe that's poor comparison. Um, Jordan Howard's not Adrian Peterson. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's why I said that was a, a poor comparison. Um, cool. Well, the balance has been restored. I completely disagree with what you just said. So at least we're we're back to even keel. Um, so, so who do you who do you who do you actually know? I won't ask that question because we're going to get your mock draft later on. I was going to ask you who you're. I think still need to find one. I'll try and find one when they're running back in the third round. <laughs> Good stuff. So, just in in summary, then, Alan, w- would it be fair to say you were devastated by the trade? Um, but now that we've moved, are you still are you still not picking a, a an offensive player at twelve? I know we can do mock draft. You no, know, I was I wasn't devastated by it. I, th- I think I, I think I've made my peace with the fact that the likelihood is that we weren't going to take a quarterback beforehand anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, but you were de- you were still devastated by that choice, right? That they didn't take the quarterback. I mean, devastated would be stretching it. I mean, <laughs> you know, I've I've watched the Eagles for too long to to be, and watched the NFL for too long to, to to think there is one way to succeed. Yeah, I mean, there's there's plenty of different roads you can go. I don't think it's the right choice. I think there's there's a reasonably good chance that we'll look back in a few years' time, and uh, as we're trying to talk ourselves into the fifty fifth quarterback since Donovan retired, or Donovan was traded even. Um, that we wonder why we passed on one of the best quarterback classes in, you know, in certainly in recent memory, probably since 2004. You know, actually, you've got five probable starting quarterbacks are going to go in the top 10. And it doesn't happen very often. No. Uh, and either, either everyone's wrong or the Eagles are wrong. Well, the closest Oh, bit of feedback there. Where was was probably Wentz and um, Goff, right? Going one two. That's, that's quite. Because uh, there's been a few drafts with the quarterbacks have gone one two. That's not uncommon. Okay. I think I think there's maybe I can't remember the exact numbers. There's probably eight or nine drafts where that's happened. So, so one and two is not uncommon. Mm-hmm. Five in the top ten is I think unheard of. I don't think it's happened before. And is that now? Four in a row hasn't happened before. So one two three four has never gone quarterback. Yeah. Right. And is that because the quarterback draft class is so good, or because there are lots of gaps and lots of teams in the leagues with star quarterbacks who aren't of the caliber they need to be? There's always been there's always I mean it's generally the teams that pick at the top of the draft are generally teams who need quarterbacks. You know that's is the is the truth of it. There's not that many teams who will generally pick. But is the there top. more is there more gaps in that position now at the top echelon than there normally is? Is is the standard of quarterback you know dropping? As a mean across the league. Yeah, if anything, I'd say the, the way the game's going is that the, the number of quarterbacks are actually there's probably more quarterbacks playing at a level that is acceptable now than there probably ever has been. Yeah, you know, if 
if anything, supply and supply and demand are probably getting closer together in the quarterback position than they've ever been. You know, actually, you know, think back to the to the lockout year when teams were really forcing their way up the draft board to draft Jake Locker and Christian Ponder and you know, guys like that. I mean, these it just happens. You've got you've got five very good prospects coming through at the same time. I mean, next year's draft doesn't look as strong. The year after doesn't look as strong. You, you just have a strong class. It doesn't, Happens occasionally. Uh, whether whether you think Mike Jones is really a top ten quarterback is debatable. Whether you trust Trey Lance with seventeen starts pretty debatable. Answer for both of those is no. By the way, for me, Mick, you, yeah. Phil, he shook yeah. his head, but he said no. <laughs> <laughs> but who, if, if, if Kyle Shanahan thinks he's good, then there's good chance he might actually be quite good. Yeah, and, and and that's probably really difficult with Mike Jones is if he ends up if he does end up in San Francisco, he's probably going to look good anyway. I mean, Shanahan made it. Shanahan made Matt Schaub the, the highest passer in the league. I mean, you know, he's, he's going to get production out of him. Yeah, well, he's certainly capable as a coach. Um, you're right, dear Phil. You seem to be uh, resting on your islands. You, you've got some coffee, whiskey. You're right. Yeah, yeah, I've got yeah, I've got a whiskey. I just had it on mute when you asked me a question. I just couldn't find the fucking button. <laughs> <laughs> just checking on you, buddy. Just making sure you're okay. Uh, okay. Um, right. So there's been some updates um, again since we um, last spoke. We, we signed Flacco between the last pod and this pod as well. No, we we had already discussed Flacco. Okay, my bad. I'll have to edit that bit out. Shame. <laughs> I, was, uh, I could have given you 20 minutes on, on Joe Flacco. That would have been really exciting and well worth everyone's time. <laughs> Maybe I won't edit it out. Um, <laughs> good stuff. So, uh, listen, let's talk about some of the um, signings in the last two days. Well, yesterday, really. Uh, the Eagles have signed, uh, re-signed. The Eagles love a re-signing. The Eagles have re-signed Jordan Howard, 26 years of age. We touched on him very briefly earlier on today. He um, has nearly close to 4,000 rushing yards to date. Um, he's 26 years old, as I said. He's 34 touchdowns. Um, from my perspective, I like, the, I like the fact that he could probably punch the ball in at the, the, the three-yard line, the two-yard line, the one-yard line. I know his... His um, yards per um, attempt at Miami was shockingly bad at something like 1.2 um, during his time there. But I feel like he's got enough talent and showed enough historically to, to have him at a low price um, fighting with Boston Scott for the number two back up to Mar Sanders and, and, and won't take a lot of reps away from Sanders to really give him that shot. But Phil, what, what did you think about the Jordan Howard signing? Did you like it? Did you hate it? I was a bit surprised by it, really, because I felt like they were going to move on from a lot of, a lot of players like like that. Just, but at the same time, he is, he, he's a, he's a good RB three, RB four sort of in the in the depth chart. He's a good person to have because inevitably, people get injured. He's a good person to come in cheap, and he's done some good things for the for the team. He didn't have such a good time at Miami, like you said, but I think. It's okay. I'm totally not against it, but I'm kind of quite apathetic about it, to be honest. Yeah, that's fair enough. Sorry, Kat just tried to attack the camera. Um, Mick, Jordan Howard, 
you, you happy he's back or would you rather see him on someone else's depth chart? And do you agree with Phil that he might be a third or fourth RB rather than a number two? can't remember how much we're actually paying him. Um, I think that... I don't think it's been released yet how much we're paying him. Um, not that I've seen on, on online on media anyway or that I researched before this pod today. <laughs> <laughs> I was just actually looking for it before. Like, it, it wouldn't be much. No. Presumably, still being paid by Miami, so it'll be, it'll be an offset against that. So I wouldn't imagine it'll be. I wouldn't imagine four and a half million. I think they renegotiated his Miami salary, um, yeah. so it'll be it'll be half of that at least. I would have thought. Yeah, uh, I don't have any inside information. It was just more of a case that you can't possibly bring him in for much money. It was just more of an assumption than a premonition. Oh, we thought I, would, I, would, I wouldn't be surprised if it's not like minimum to be honest. Well, I thought I th- we thought you had that insider, you know, that insider access, Phil. You know, you, you let us down. <laughs> I'm, I'm honestly not asked about it. Um, <laughs> you don't give a shit about Jordan Howard, no? The best way to put it, I don't think he's going to be LB two. Um, I'd be surprised if he's even LB three. I'll not. put a bold statement out there. I reckon Jordan Howard rushes for over three hundred yards this year. I don't even think he'll get a touchdown. Um, I don't think he'll rush for over 100 yards. <laughs> I think he's more likely to get a touchdown than he is to get a significant amount of yardage. It'll be just be uh, like a, red, a red zone play punching just because someone's either injured or tired. and they'll just. Well, he's not going to catch out of the backfield because he's only had 83 receiving yards his entire career. So uh, I, haven't yeah. got, I haven't got them to hand, but I'm pretty sure the stats from Miami were like heavily weighted in the touchdown to... Um, yardage like it was okay, ridiculously low amount of yardage but you've got to still got a few touchdowns or something yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. touchdowns and four yards or some fucking thing yeah. ridiculous like that yeah, I mean, I, I'd, be, I'd be I'm a little bit careful I'm just assuming this I mean my, Miami production was messed up but Chan Gailey kind of didn't like him at all if it wasn't if you look at the kind of running backs that succeeded in Miami last year with, with um, Gaskin and, and Ackman I mean they were much faster perimeter runners than, yeah. than Howard does he never really fitted with what um, what Miami wanted to do. So I'm not sure that's necessarily a reflection of where he is as a player. Well, still, well, still pretty piss poor, though. Well, anyway, he's, always, he's always been very one-dimensional. He was one-dimensional when he was in Chicago. He's, he's a power back who, you know, who's, who's a bit shiftier than, than perhaps his size would make you think initially. He's a, he's a reasonable pickup. I, I thought so. You, you agree, Al? Yeah, I thought he's definitely fine. They, they need a, they need another back. They need someone else who can carry the load if Sanders goes down. They can't lock themselves into having to draft someone in the, uh, in, in the draft. It's a, it's a reasonable pickup. Who, who, you know, if, if the worst comes to the worst, if Sanders gets injured, can can Howard run the ball 15, 16 times a game? Yeah, probably. Can he do it brilliantly? Yeah. He's a very impressive time in Chicago as a runner. He just back-to-back thousand-plus rushing yard seasons. He, yeah. just, he just can't do much else. And he was good when he was here the first time, as, as, a, as a compliment to Sanders. Yeah, over 500 yards when he was here with us the first time. Nine, six touchdowns, I think. Um, yeah. yeah. But, uh, but I, equally, I, wouldn't, I, wouldn't be, I wouldn't be surprised if they drafted another running back and he was cut before the start of the season. So. But he's 52 years old, as you say now, so probably not much chances of doing much. Yeah, may as well be. <laughs> good stuff. Um, all right, um, Eric Wilson, linebacker. We signed a linebacker. We needed a linebacker. I'm pretty happy with that because I think that gives us more options to be um, offensively minded when it comes to the draft. 
uh, coming up, or at least it gives us a little bit more freedom that there isn't such a massive gaping hole um, at linebacker. We've obviously got Alex Singleton, who had a stellar year as my cat comes to try and eat the microphone again and rip my T-shirt at the same time. Alex Singleton obviously had an amazing year last year. And case in point, the fact that he um, was the he received the highest performance bonus by any Eagles player that was that was released earlier on today. So they obviously recognised his his performances. So Eric Wilson, twenty six years old, not that old for a linebacker compared to a running back. Um, he ran a four five three forty yard dash. He was an unrestricted free agent out of the Cincinnati Bearcats in the two thousand and seventeen draft. Last year, he had three interceptions. He had 25 assisted tackles and 87 tackles. He led the league in tackles. Sorry, he led his team in tackles. Um, and he was, he was joint first in the league in interceptions at the linebacker position. That seems like a pretty big, pretty good pickup to me, Mick. On the face of it, it looks good. Um, I'm not going to pretend that I know an awful lot about him. I think when he... Um, the weakest spots in my knowledge base of the NFL is other teams' defenses. It's just something that I don't really care about because it's not sexy, it's not exciting. So I don't really bother bother much with it, and it, it's definitely something I'm going to def, like pick up more uh, next season and as we go on because it's the kind of stuff that we need to talk about <laughs> more often. So, um, look from what I've seen, from what other people have said, I've, I've been trying to take in opinions from. Which is probably not the best place to, to try and get <laughs> your opinion off of. Um, but people don't seem unhappy about it. Um, we've got them on a one-year deal, which that's that's fine. Um, so if, if he's not great, I guess we can just come. And it's not going to be a big a big loss to him. But on the flip side of that, if, if he does perform, we could potentially lose him. Um, especially when the cap comes back and, and other teams have got more money to spend, that kind of thing. So then again, so will we. Again, I'm not over, I'm not getting overly excited about it, but I think it's a good pickup. And and it's definitely a position I need. It's, we've, everybody's been screaming out for a line back, whether or not that changes our opinions of the draft, whether or not we take that line back position that, in the first round, if we're, if we're looking at Amika Parsons or something like that, or um, or even the second round, third round, I mean, does, does that change the the narrative for this draft? Like we, we discussed uh, the other week on the pod when we we drafted, uh, sorry, we, we signed the safety from the Vikings. Um, we thought, well, that that sort of puts down the, the safety position in the pecking order of the draft. So uh, you know. We could see something like that happening. Eagles lining up cornerback in pick number one then, if they have filled some of those gaps at, at safety. And Alan, you look like you want to jump in there. Yeah, I mean, I, I would be very, very careful of, of thinking any of these signings will affect anything they do in the draft. Yeah, the, the, their short-term signings to fill holes in the roster and teams, teams don't draft to fill the holes they've got this season. They draft to fill holes they're going to have in two or three years' time. Or at least Good teams do. The, the, there is there is no position that is off the board for the Eagles going in this draft. They, they could pick any position. Now they won't pick a linebacker in the first round because they don't value linebackers. So yeah. they just they just won't do it. They, they, they don't believe it's a position that you need to spend a lot of money at. 
so they won't. They, they just will not go there. I think we'd you all be honest. You agree with them not valuing the linebacker position? I personally don't agree with that. I think. I think. I think the way they play. I think. I mean, uh, depends what Gannon does. Certainly, the way in the scheme that Schwartz plays, they played. You know, four-three wide nine, where the, the the edge rushers play the run on the on the way to the quarterback. It is a position that is less critical to your team than your your D line. Um, to make that system work. 4-3 teams are always going to undervalue linebackers compared to 3-4 teams. They just are less important in the way that scheme works. The Eagles have undervalued it for too long, though. I mean, you can't you can't just pick guys off the street and, and try and down the, the linebacking core, which is more or less what they've been doing for the last couple of years. Um, in fact, they've been, they've been pretty much doing it for, God, 20 years, because... Andy Reid didn't really value linebackers either. I mean, it was never a position they spent a lot of uh, a lot of resources on. I can't imagine they will this time either. I mean, there's plenty of, I mean, you look at the various mock drafts, there's plenty of good linebackers who will be sitting there at 37. You know, there's, there's a number of players on Custer at that stage. They won't take one. You don't think they'll they, take one at 37? Yeah, I'd, I'd, be, I'd be stunned if they take one in the first two rounds. Yeah, I think it's cornerback, wide receiver, one, two for the first two picks. I've not. Even, I wouldn't even bet on that because they, they they constantly tell you what they value, which is offensive linemen and defensive linemen. If they don't take a defensive lineman in the first two rounds, I'd be pretty shocked. That's madness. It's not though because you you the defensive line. Harry has made clear constantly that that's what he values. That's what he thinks most important is most important. The D-line at the moment has Fletcher Cox, who's over 30 and declining. Brandon Graham, who's 33 and declining. Kelsey. Yeah. Slowly. I mean, Graham's BG's oh, declining slowly, but he is still declining, yeah? Your offensive line has Lane Johnson, who's over 30, has a big question mark at left tackle, has a centre who's going to ret- who could retire at any time, and Brandon Brooks, who's constantly injured. You know, I mean, these and those are the positions they value, right? And they're not thinking about how did they found the team this year. They're thinking about how did they found those positions for the next two or three years. You know, if if Rashawn Slater's still there at twelve, I think they'll pick Rashawn Slater. Do you? Yeah, I think I think they will. I think, no matter who's on the board, I think they will pick Rashawn Slater if he's. If so he's you on think Jalen Waddle's on the board at twelve? They're passing on Jalen Waddle. I don't think I, I I would be pretty surprised if they take a wide receiver. I think they would they will take. They might take a cornerback because they're pretty desperate. Uh, and there's a couple of guys there who, who probably fit pretty well with what they want to do. They might take a corner. If they can't take a corner, I think they'll take a, they'll take an offensive tackle if Slater's there, or they'll look to take an edge rusher, which probably means moving back. They'll, they'll probably push back a few spots and take Gwitty Pay or, or Greg Russo or, or something like that. that that's, what, that's what I would guess they would do based on, um, on well, the form well. of their behaviour. Knowing your um, your uh, wants and and um, ambition to always sign and draft attacking flair and excitement, how do you feel about drafting an offensive tackle or a defensive lineman at, at pick twelve? It's just the head versus heart, isn't it? In my, you know, in my heart, I just love love that sort of thing, and I, I'm you know, I'm quite new to the sport, so I'm my knowledge of defense and that just isn't isn't as complex as especially someone like like Alan. So in terms of my ability to look at defensive players and get excited and, and look at it and go, it just just this isn't there as much. But on on at the same time, I'm I'm painfully aware that, that the the head 
must rule sometimes and and it does seem quite logical to go with that so it's it, I, i'm i'm guess it's more just trying to make peace with both outcomes you know if, if we do go heavy offense and we go exciting and there's people out there going why are we doing this i'll still be there going i've got to get to watch these nice exciting offensive players next season but um at the same that, time, that, that doesn't change by the way if i'm not how long you watch it for. That, that's, <laughs> what, that's what gets everyone excited that's what everyone likes no nobody gets excited drafting linemen it's, it's just not it's not what you because it isn't what gets you excited in the sunday it's what you're what you've watched for the last, you know, pretty much since the Super Bowl has been turgid offense. I mean, difficult no, to watch offense week in, week out. So wanting wanting wide receivers is pretty understandable based on the, the garbage <laughs> that the offense has off, has offered up in the meantime. Yeah, but I can also get on the get on the excitement of of if our defense is sort of stand out and you know top five defense for next season. Lockout defense. It doesn't. It's not exciting now, but I know. Come mid-season, where we're we're averaging sort of you know top five defense, we'll be we'll be there going. I'm so glad we've made all those decisions during the draft, and so I, I'm still I'm just like looking at both sides, going. I, I think either way, as long as they make it, as long as they have a plan and they they make it, and it's clear that they're going defense heavy, you know, in the in the key in key draft positions, and then going to fill it in with a few offensive players that they hope will hit, then then fine. Um, I'm just going to take over hosting responsibilities temporarily as Liam's chasing his cat around the kitchen. Come back, um, come back, come back. <laughs> that was, that yeah, was an no, unexpected diversion. Yeah, well, you just... Trying yeah. to get into the champagne glass box, which has champagne glass in it, so... Well, that'll give you a quiet night then, so yeah. let him crack on. But yeah, no, I, I, I am definitely always looking for, like everyone else, and like Alan says, it, it's the most exciting thing, so it's, it's understandable, but if they sign, like I'm, I'm starting to get excited like about Farley and 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 uh, and Certain and all those kind of defensive players that are out there, seeing what they can do and learning a bit more about the def- def- defensive side of the ball. I- I'm okay with either, to be honest. Yeah, um, I'd personally be devastated if we signed an offensive tackle or a defensive lineman one two. I completely understand where you're coming from, Alan. Um, my argument would be the Eagles have not had a potent wide receiver one um, for years. Even when they won the Super Bowl, they didn't really have one. They shared it around, and I think Howie then thought, well, that worked. Why don't we continue to share it around and we can win like that? I think the Eagles need a, a starlet on, on, on offense, a tight end or wide receiver. Um, lots, of, lots, of, lots of good teams have them. Good teams have them. Um, Teams who win, um, who win have them. Uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers had about three of them when they won the Super Bowl this year. Um, but they've also got a slight um, advantage at quarterback, though, versus. I mean, uh, just, yeah, just, and, I mean, just, just a small yeah. part of the win, yeah, yeah. That, that no, was just, I mean, they, 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 went, they, they had all those receivers for the past, I mean, for Evans and Godwin for three years. The offensive line has been terrible, and they haven't the quarterback. Last year they spent all of the resources on an offensive line and signing. I'm not. I'm not, I'm not disputing the offensive line. I'm not disputing the fact that it, that it, that it, it's a foundation of winning teams whatsoever. I completely agree. I mean, you look at the the Chiefs when they won. Yeah, they had Mahomes and they had Kelsey and they had Hill, but they also had a fantastic offensive line. Um, no, they've actually lost two of those in the last um, few weeks. Uh, the Chiefs. Sorry, Phil. Go on. You're going to say. No, I'm saying it's that's probably one of the areas where I, I'm actually in quite a, a, a big agreement with Alan in the sense that you it's such a big gamble going for 
these key offensive players, there's just absolutely no guarantee that you might end up wasting your pick on them. So, in again, thinking with your head, you're going, well, you're more likely to hit on a defensive player. So, and we're not looking to win now. So, we don't need, we don't, we're not under pressure to hit with an offensive player. So, let's not put the team under that pressure and create that situation where we're sort of, we're calling for another Jalen Rager's head because he's not. He's not hit the heights that we want him to because he's, you know, the, the first round pick offensive players just aren't statistically there over the last few years. Well, no, I mean, there was a stat I heard last year before Rager um, played a snap in the NFL and it was like uh, the average uh, wide receiver yards for a uh, rookie wide receiver uh, first round pick was below 500. Um, so I. So any expectation that Rager was going to do any more than that would have went against the grain of, of history. And um, if you look at the likes of Judy and Ruggs and Lamb and Rager, they were all around the, the 400, 450 mark in terms of receiving yards last year from memory. And, you know, each and every one of them could take a huge step forward next year. I agree. And I, I don't mean to put my hat on the offensive uh, weapon that we need to be side of one. I'd like to see Simon in the first three rounds. Um, and I completely agree on defense. I mean, I, I would definitely like to see us sign a, a cornerback with the first pick just because of the high rate of success cornerback picks seem to have in the first round and, and the need is, 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 is so great. Cool. Okay. Well, with all that in mind, I'm looking forward to hearing what Alan's going to have as his mock draft. I feel like we can expect to see an offensive tackle, a defensive lineman, and a running back in the first three rounds. So I, 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 should, I, should, I should clarify that I, I didn't say that's what I would do. I said <laughs> that's what I think they won't do. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All righty. Well, you should be in politics, mate. Oh, no, mate. That's all. <laughs> nah, no one would vote for him. He'd be too pessimistic. I'm not pessimistic. It's simply weird. Not not believing Jalen Hurts as Tom Brady does not make you pessimistic. Said like said like a true pe- pessimist. I'm just a realist, he says. Exactly. <laughs> I will I will look forward to your week week four tweets as uh Jalen Hurts completes eight out of twenty-seven passes for seventy-six <laughs> yards and six interceptions and see yeah, how but- optimistic you are. What, what you don't realise, in that same game, he rushed for 180 and scored three touchdowns. <laughs> well, yeah, that's true. If you want to go line back, you might be a man. <laughs> right, well, I, I, can't, I can't find one that's worthwhile. So I'm going, to, I'm going to run the Draft Network mock draft machine at the same time. We're going time. to do a live one. Do it live. I'll do it oh, live. Oh, yes. Love that. I'll, I'll start it off. Uh, if, you, if you hear the little phone ringing uh, that comes up on the on the draft <laughs> network, and we'll see if see if anyone trades. We're at, we're at 12. The draft has gone so far. Lawrence, obviously. Wilson, Lance to, to San Francisco. Parsons to the Falcons. Pitts to the Bengals. Bizarrely, Najee Harris to the Dolphins. Sometimes I tell you what, I'm coming out of this one because that makes no fucking sense. <laughs> That's not going to work. Reload, reload, reload. reload. We'll, we'll start again. We'll start again. Parsons and Harris in the top six picks. Yeah, it's, uh, it's obviously doing something funny just now. <laughs> Did you set it to highly random? <laughs> Try again, right? So, very quickly going through. 
this mess with me for great podcasting this. No, I, yeah, I'm quite, like, quite enjoying it. I'm so, Orange, it. Orange Wilson lands, picks to, to Atlanta, chase to the Bengals, Waddle to the Dolphins, Sue on to the, uh, the Lions. Um, have, a, have a trade offer, which I'm, I'm going to reject. Just, uh, just straight off the bat, don't even look at it. Um, Mac Jones to the Panthers, Justin Fields to the Broncos, Patrick Sertan to the Cowboys, and Devontae Smith to the Giants. Okay. So he's some interesting picks. So he does actually throw up exactly the scenario that we were talking about, which is they would they would basically have the choice of Rashawn Slater or JC Horn then. So mm-hmm. either either an offensive lineman or a cornerback. And just just to really fuck with William, I'm in that instance, <laughs> I would probably take Rashawn Slayton. Okay, go I, I would take I would take Horn just for clarity. I think you could trade with the Chargers, who would be absolutely to get the very next pick, and they could take Slayton and probably take Horn. Yeah, but the Chargers actually took Horn in the next pick. The Chargers actually took Horn in the next pick. <laughs> And myself coming back there. So it goes, it's rolled on the second round. Let's see who's going to be left. So at 37, the highest player on the board is Javonte Williams. Okay. The running, running back. back. Um, as, as predicted, there's a handful of linebackers. So Zayvon Collins, Baron Browning. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I do like Baron Browning. Browning, Browning is, is good, but I think this is probably a bit too rich for him. And I think probably at this point you're probably going to look for a cornerback and there's an interesting range of cornerbacks. So the choices would be Asante Samuel, Aaron Robinson, Elijah Molden um, mm. or Calvin Joseph, who, who I like, but the league seems to be quite down on for maturity reasons and off-field reasons. So I can't oh, see going to no, pick him. don't need any of that. No, it seems, seems unlikely. The uh, Army Browns there as well, who I really, really like. Why does um, yeah, from, from North Carolina. So that could be could be an option at that point. Um there's a couple of edge guys. 37 is quite a quite a nice spot to pick here. Actually, there's a lot of different guys. So the guy I think I'm going to go with is Asante Samuel Jr. Mm-hmm. Um in the corner. Um having having lived through the Asante Samuel senior years, who um I don't know if it, were you guys Eagles fans when Santi Samuel was around the first time. Um, he's, he's talked about now as if he was as if he's everyone's favourite player. People used to they used to absolutely slate a Santi Samuel all the time because uh, he, he had a habit of getting burned over and over again and then having three interceptions. And yeah, he was he, he wasn't quite as popular at the time as people would have you believe now. It sounds like the kind of player that would really frustrate me, to be honest. One of those nostalgia things, isn't it? So, no, but he, 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 he kind of divided opinion because he got so many interceptions. People loved them a lot of the time, and um, other times just couldn't stick him. So, went to the third round. So, options at the moment to so a cornerback and an offensive tackle, and it. There's a couple of really good wide receiver options. So I'm, I'm on Racing Brown um, at 70. Tyon Wallace is a player I really, really like. Um, there's a couple of safeties, Richie Grant, Jamar Johnson. 
There's also Carlos Basham, an edge rusher at Wake Forest, who would who would be a very good pick for the for where the the uh, the, the defense is at the moment. I I think I'm probably going to go with Basham, mm-hmm. um, just because they, they do desperately need a, a younger edge rusher. Um, depending on what they're going to do with Barnett. Well, probably not the two distant future replacing Graham, but then you've also got a decision in Barnett at the end of the season as well. So mm-hmm. um, they, they definitely need some depth. Uh, and that seems to have worked out quite well because I think the receivers have actually have lasted to 84, which they have. Um, so 84, I'll probably take time on loss from Oklahoma State. Nice. An interesting player who, who could, he's, he's been quite injured a lot in, in college. Um, definitely going to be a, a, a dead receiver at the next level, which... He'll, he'll be good at if he can just get a bit stronger off the line and become a solid X receiver, he could be really, really good. Um, so if you can get him something late in the third round, it would be it'd be pretty good value. Of him. For any of our listeners uh, listening in, what when you say Z versus X, what do you mean? So a, a Z receiver generally will line up sort of um, at the line of scrimmage. So basically, we'll need to be faster to get away from coverage. The X receiver generally will need to be stronger. Um, because they'll, they'll generally be pressed off the line. So mm. you, most teams will line up with three receivers, a Z receiver, an X receiver, and a, and a slot. Um, each requires a slightly different skill set. Um, the, the Eagles have, have a number of, of Z receiver options at the moment. They're, they're kind of flush with Z receivers of Rager, Hightower, Watkins, Watkins are all options to play out there. I mean, if, if you probably guess the question with Hightower and Watkins is do you think they can really play outside? Are they strong enough at all? Are they more likely to be slot receivers? Um, is, which is, is debatable, I, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, but back up again, the highest rated player in the draft at pick one, two, three is Kyle Trask. Um, if you Ooh. fancy a quarterback. No. <laughs> they do, I mean, they do have his, they do have his um, college quarterback coach. Yeah, quite much, yeah, right. So they, they might think in the fourth round that's a, that's a, a pick worth taking. Um, what else have you got? A lot, of, a lot of interior defensive linemen. So Aline McNeil at North Carolina State is a player I quite like. Uh, feeling tired twice out of Pittsburgh as well. Pretty good player. I think um, we've heard the we've heard the last of quarterback factory folks, right? We don't we don't be hearing that said again as, as Eagles fans. Well, I think they will. I think they won't draft a quarterback. It's just a case I agree. Of the yeah, not that high then. Uh, well, the four, mid, middle of the fourth round is probably where you'd be looking to get a backup quarterback. Not normally in the second round. No. Um, not with slack. So, <laughs> uh, so I think I'll probably take Alan McNeil from North Carolina State. Interior defensive lineman. And now we just have to wait for this draft to run really slowly because we now don't have another pick for quite a while. What was the name of that one? I didn't catch it. Aline McNeil. Aline McNeil, is he Scottish? <laughs> I don't think Aline is the most Scottish name of Ah, oh, you can have different first names. The heritage is there. <laughs> what do you reckon so far, Phil? So we got. Richard Slater, offensive tackle. We've got Javonte, sorry, not Javonte, we've got Sante Samuel Jr., cornerback 37. Uh, we've got um, Ty, um, we've got Carlos Basham, defensive lineman at 70, edge, edge rusher even. And we've got Tyler Wallace, wide receiver at 84 before the last pick. What, what do you think of those first four picks, Phil? 
Well, it's not very exciting, is it? No, I'm <laughs> no, it's exactly what I kind of expected. It, it's it's going with the the positions of need, and I just don't. I think that people are not going to be happy no matter what we go for. So I think there's always going to be something that you can say about everything. But I, but generally, I don't I don't mind the first two picks at least. Mick, what do you reckon? Where's your running back? You said you were going to take a running back. Well, the value just hasn't been there. It hasn't landed in the way that we take a running back. It's, it's not really, it's not really landed in the way. I mean, Sermon was possible in the third round, back end of the third. Um, Gainwell, I think, was there at seventy, but you're not going to take a running back when you can take an edge rusher. Um, and now, probably getting relatively thin. There's, there's a couple of guys to, you could probably take later on. Um, who are, reasonable and that's, that's also the reason why you signed Jordan Howard right it's because you don't know you're going to actually land in the spot where it's actually going to be decent value today because that's the other bit that we, we often forget when we're doing these things when the, when teams are actually drafting they're, they're doing a lot more than just looking at players they're also looking at value all the time and they, they're not going to want to overdraft players who they can get later on they'll trade down before they do that um, so there's the, the I guess they're, they're, probably, they're probably trying to tell you there's more science to it than there actually is, but um <laughs> now well, we yeah, I mean that that's common sense, right? If you like a guy at um if you like a guy at pick 80, um, but he's on the board at 60, but there's no one else you like, you're not gonna you're not gonna take him at 60, right? Unless you really think he's gonna go off the board, you're gonna trade back and get some more value and then take him. Or if or if the offers aren't good enough, which is what they always say happened with Marcus Smith, isn't it? They didn't they say they didn't have an offer that was worth taking so they drafted one of the worst players who's ever set foot on the field <laughs> um the, the best value at 150 is it's come back and it's probably another cornerback so Am- ambry thomas from michigan mm. and uh yeah i think it's probably fair to say we can probably do with more than one cornerback i would agree no, it's just right, give, sort, us, give us sort. two more give us two more alan and then we'll 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 wrap it up i was just um whilst the the Draft is going through its motions. Um, I, I looked up Ali McNeil because I, I don't know a lot about him. Um, it's one of the guys that just has totally escaped me. But um, interestingly, from the from his PFF, um, the, the 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 sort of draft thing that they do and put out the NFL player comparison for Ali McNeil. Cox, Javon Hargrave. Uh, he's, Cox is the one I've seen him compared to, which is a bit rich for a fifth round thing. Um, but yeah, Hargrave. I would, I would have thought he's more he's more of a pass rusher than Hargrave is, from what I've seen of him. Um, mm-hmm. uh, his pass rush rate is, is well above average. I've got Miller company is what I'm looking at just now. Um, yeah, that's got a nickname. It's pretty bigger. Hmm. Does he have as good a nickname as Gravedigger, though? Well, his name's Ali McNeil, so I doubt it. <laughs> <laughs> Ali, Ali McNeil. <laughs> Ali McBeal. Ali McCoy. You call me, yeah. Don't dare call me that. So, what, 189, we took Tony Fionn, so finally got a linebacker. 189. Suppose you're hoping Devion Taylor um, has a big step up uh, this year or. Uh, I, I, think, I think a lot of when you look at what they've done in the offseason, the change in the coaching staff, there clearly is a, a if you read between the lines and think what, what were the drivers of why 
Doug Pearson's gone, why Jim Schwartz is gone, logically tells you that they don't think the coaching staff they've had have been good enough at developing players. Yeah, I mean, and Gannon, from what appears to be his history, seems to have, have quite a good record of developing players. He's also been in places with Mike Zimmer and, and Matt Eberflus, who are excellent defensive coordinators. So it might turn out that he's absolutely rubbish. And, you know, it's, it's been covered by the fact he's worked for very, very good coaches. No, Alan, he's going to be brilliant and he's going to develop all of our players into elite level players. Positive. Well, it will be interesting to see because recently the defensive coaches, and I was quite a big fan of Schwartz, but Schwartz was much more of a schemer and uh, uh, how would you describe it? As a defensive coordinator, he was, he was a schemer and he was good at adjustments in game. Yeah. But he also relied on the same players all the time. You know, he, he's, a game clearly, time, he's a game time strategist as opposed to a, a developmental coach, right? That's where you get that. Yeah, that, that, I think that's probably a fair assessment of him. Um, I managed to get Emir Smith Marset, the non wide receiver in the sixth round. Um, Marset. Marset, yeah. Emir Smith Marset from Iowa and Paris Ford from Pittsburgh is a safety. And I'm probably going to have to take a quarterback. It's probably going to be one that Mick's going to like, I think, the way it's going. <laughs> I think it's going to be Ian Book. Oh, they've got a lot of picks. Oh, boy. 11 picks, right, this year? Yeah. Most, most in the NFL. Is it really? Yep. I, I, cannot, I cannot imagine for the life they're going to pick 11 players. No, I can't imagine they will either. No, they'll trade. We'll, we'll, I, th- I think that Ertz will be traded during the draft with Three. a pick. How often does that happen? Uh, you know, during the draft, the players get traded as part of deals. Have you seen that happen? It does sometimes. It does sometimes. It's not. It's not the most common thing in the world. Um, it's generally players as part of pick swaps. So mm. someone who someone's trying to get rid of, and then they'll just wait till the draft. And but it's not particularly common. It's strange. I don't enough. think it will happen with with Ertz for some reason, just because. They've been they've been trying to do right by him and try and give him lambs talk to whoever he wants. The, the chances of them just having to make a snap decision and trade him to wherever they need to get a pick from seems a bit unlikely to me. Well, I think that's probably increasingly in this stage with Ertz. They would be better, they'd be as well keeping him there. I don't think I they're going to they're going to get that. Yeah. Not, I don't think they're going to get value for him. He's still the best receiver on the team. I mean. Yeah, they're not exactly flush with receiving options. Yeah. When we had Kelly Green on from the Kelly Green Show, hey Kelly, we're listening in. Um, we we talked about this possibility of of keeping Ertz, and I just I just get I think I said the last time I get goosebumps on my arms as I watched him fly out of the um, fly into the in, onto the grass in, in the first game next year. So it'll be the. I mean, I, I don't think Zach Ertz flies anywhere, but that's uh, saunter across the grass. In my eyes, he's he's a god. Um, reminder again: fifty p raffle tickets for a signed Zach Ertz shirt on our Twitter page. There you go. It's finally finished. So I took Luke Farrell from Ohio State with pick two for him. There you go. He's a tight end. So you got tight ends, and we got what we got here. Then we got offensive tackle, we got cornerback, we've got defensive lineman, edge rusher, wide receiver, interior defensive lineman, number cornerback, number wide receiver, number safety, number tight end. Yes, I think I've nailed that. Nice. I have to say, I don't want you picking on draft day, <laughs> not because it wouldn't be the right decisions, because I'm sure as hell. 
these probably would all turn out really well, but just because we're probably... Well, they won't. They won't. That's the, the other thing about mock drafts, which um, this will definitely be the pessimist in me. And uh, it's, been, it's, been, it's been quite funny watching you guys get into mock drafts because it feels like it's been years I've been doing these things and the enthusiasm that you guys have got for them, right? But and this, this, this feels like shooting a puppy somewhat, right? Is the, the problem is with most mock drafts and with the draft in practice, most of these players are going to be shit. <laughs> yeah. Most of them are not going to work out. A big chunk of them will never see the field. If you get two starters out of the, out of the draft, you're doing well. And if you get another couple of contributors, you're doing brilliantly. And yeah. that, that's well, the truth think, of the draft. I think, I think we know that. I just think the, the nature of having, you know, what is it, four or five picks in the first hundred means we're much more likely to hit than having you know, just one or two in the first hundred. So there's excitement there for a reason. And and also looking forward into next year, we do have three first round picks next year. I mean, that, whether we keep three first round picks for next year or not is another story altogether. Obviously. Well, you're, you're relying on Wednesday to stay healthy the whole year, which could be wow. interesting. Yeah, 70%, isn't it? Yeah, we'll see. And, uh, and, and so if you, if you do want to really cheer yourself up, go back and look at the years where the Browns had uh, two first round picks. Um, or some some of the other teams that have multiple first round picks and see what they did with them, and that will uh, that won't cheer you up no end. <laughs> well, um, if, you're listening, if you're listening in and you've listened to um, to Alan's mock draft, let us know your thoughts. Let us know what you think. Did you like it? Did you not like it? What did you like? What didn't you like? Um, could you understand two different Scotsmen on the same podcast and an Irishman for this one? Um, from the same from the same town as well. I mean, that's almost almost certainly the, the the first Eagles podcast in the history of the world. That's the two people from Colt Bridge on it. By the way, that is mad. That is mad. Got the subtitles sorted, have you? Liam? Yeah, I'll get the subtitles uh, rocked, rocked and ready for this one. Um, I'm going to see if we can try and pull a couple of um, video snaps and, and maybe release them on Instagram, like a minute long or something like that to see that might work so watch out for those uh if you are following us on instagram all, all 16 of you so far um, what's that because i'm glad i shaved my head now if you're going to release this on social media well they'll also get um, good insights into how the phil's beard is going uh it's been been, been growing it's been growing strong now so have you shaved yet at all or well maybe i proof. Yeah, I've, I've bought a trimmer because the problem is I'm still having to go into military establishments where you know keeping your appearance at the utmost crisp and proper fashion is still warranted. So mm-hmm. I'm trying to find that balance, but yeah, it's probably not going to last. I, I'm I'm not I'm not fair. It's, it's become more of a what well, I'm trying to uh, what's the word where it's like uh, like the Samson in his hair. Now. You don't I don't wanna, I don't want to get rid of it because I'm trying to keep a, a good luck stream going if if that exists at the moment. So okay. it's more of a superstitious thing, I think. I like it. I, I'm quite I'm quite enjoying it. It's a bit of a designer look going on. You know, we'll change the hair a little bit, keep the beard. There's, there's a little bit of. It's not designer. It's genetics. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Alan, um, thanks so much for joining us. Um, on the thanks podcast. for having me. We've, um, we've loved having you. I've loved having your takes um, and your insights over 30 years of being a, an Eagles an Eagles supporter. Yes, I did the maths when you said 1989. Um, <clears throat> Phil, Mick, you enjoyed it? I'm humbled by it, mate. Um, thank you so much, Alan, um, for, for coming on and being part of the our podcast uh, to allow it to 
to grow and you know like the last I don't know how many episodes we've had a guest on every week and each one of them has provided um, invaluable insight uh, not not just for the people that listen to the pod but also for the three of us we are very you know very much novices in the, in the, in terms of um, our ego's fandom or at least um, um and I do very much appreciate it. Um, and I'd like to just say thank you again uh, on behalf of the pod. Don't mention it. Say nice, nice, nice to be on. And uh, maybe maybe after the draft, I'll come back on and tell you why what why the players depict are as bad as they are coming out to be. I'll tell you what. Uh, that's definitely a deal, Alan. We'll definitely come back on. We'll discuss your draft initially and what they actually drafted. And then um, on after the fourth week of the regular season, yes, I haven't forgotten that comment earlier on. We'll be having you on the podcast to discuss uh, Jalen Hurts's uh, current MVP winning form. <laughs> well, I, I will be the happiest wrong man in the world. It's been it's been it's been great having you on, mate. Thanks very much for coming on. I think you are. Uh... Uh, to be to be more polite about uh, as opposed to Liam's sort of criticisms of the negativity, I think it's a great it's a great leveler. It's a severe grounding that we that you often need when you get a little bit ahead of yourself when you see eleven draft picks and Kyle Pitts on the board and you start coming up with all these crazy things. Like you you, you need the uh, you need that bit of balance. So it's 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 probably, boring. Probably, you probably don't really. You should just enjoy it and you know that's the, it's it's supposed to be fun. I mean, it doesn't feel like this most Sundays when you're throwing stuff at the TV, but it's actually supposed to be fun. Yeah. <laughs> but, on that point, on that point, when we first started watching the podcast, I think it was have only won one game since we started doing the podcast. So okay, can, can you fucking stop? <laughs> 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 yeah, no, I, I you're, you're true, but I, I, I do think that it's, it's needed. You're almost, yeah, you have that that counterpoint. So when we start getting excited about stuff, you kind of you find that somewhere in the middle is probably the truth. <laughs> Finding the middle ground, absolutely. Well, listen, guys, thank you very much for listening in. Thanks to all our guests, all of our guests, our one guest and our two, my two co-hosts. Thanks for listening in, and um, we'll catch you soon. Remember about all those updates earlier on today. Check out the Instagram page. Check out the raffle for the Zacherts signed jersey. And check out our Just Giving page for the Ectopic Pregnancy Trust. We'll see you all next week. And we love you.